Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the weekend college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky and joining me as always... Mike Calabrese and BJ Cunningham. I'm coming to you live from Aruba. And uh, I don't have much to complain about in life. It's kind mm-hmm. of a nice little, you know, I'm I'm doing a lot of conference tournament work and, but kind of also just resetting my mind and getting ready for the, the March grind because by this time next week, it's going to be March. It's crazy. Mike, I'll start with you. What's going on, brother? Thanks for uh, both of you guys and for, Anthony, for hopping in on the earlier week episode. Uh, what's going on with you? How was your week? Good. I'm also on the road. I'm here in Orange County, California with my wife uh, for her job. So it's nice to get into different part of the country, different speed out here in Cali. Um, certainly, college basketball, the biggest story in the world right now is the Brandon Miller story, which just from a basketball perspective, I think we made some pretty strong arguments in the last two weeks that Alabama was the number one team. They were the team to trust. And now that's totally out the window with this narrative and how it could potentially play out. So just when you think this college basketball season has already seen it all from an upset perspective, I think at this point, now we're going to enter with Houston potentially as the safest bet. And I think we're all kind of on the same page there that the Cougars can kind of go in the tank offensively a little bit. So it's not the same juggernauts that we're used to on the one line in most seasons. And to me, I look at that as a positive. I think that's exciting. We built this futures portfolio all throughout the podcast season. I think we have a lot of good plays at lucrative prices. I think there's still some teams out there in the market that are undervalued. So I'm excited to get into it with you guys. Yeah, I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on a podcast. But I mean, I, it's to me, it seems like it was it would be an accessory to murder charge. I, I don't know if the feds are going to get involved. The, the district attorney in Alabama came out and said there's no charges to be made. But like, you supplied a gun to someone at like you know who was dealing with some shit at, in college. Like, in the, like what, what do you think was going to happen? He wasn't going to the shooting range. So I don't know what a performance by Brandon Miller, by the way. I mean, he dropped 41 in the game winner. Uh, so uh, yeah, but I don't know. Number one, is there going to be are there going to be charges brought up, or you know, number two, it didn't seem to serve as a, a distraction for Brandon Miller. But getting into the tournament with the press, like the press picks up, and like especially if you get later in the tournament, and then just all of these questions swirling, and then who knows what they're going to have to deal with. So yeah, that could you know could be a rallying point, or it could be a uber distraction for the Tide who escaped with a, a win over. South Carolina to remain in first place in the SEC. And yeah, we're going to, we're going to get to our futures portfolio final, one final time. Cause next week we're going to start doing conference tournament previews. They start on Monday. Somehow they start on Monday. I don't, I mean, how is that even possible? Um, and then, you know, we're going to start with, I think the Patriot league starts Tuesday, a son, a son's starts there. Monday. And I'm forgetting one other one uh, horizon, maybe. 
The Patriots starts Tuesday. Hey, son. The Sun Belt. The Fun Belt. Um, Fun Belt starts on Tuesday. Yep. So in Horizon as well. Yeah. So we're going to be getting into conference tournament previews. Yep. And the Horizons. We got four. We'll cover that on Monday's show. So this will be the final chance for us to add a future, which we'll get to in just a second. We'll talk Friday Night Lights. And then, as always, we'll do a quick rundown, rapid fire style on Saturday's card. BJ, how was your week? What's going on, brother? Uh, it was pretty good, uh, kind of up and down as well. I mean, I kind of have like a rant and uh, a takeaway as well. It's just this Texas A&M team just is driving me nuts right now. I mean, they, against Tennessee, I mean, obviously Tennessee's not a, an offensive powerhouse or a force, but once again, I mean, Texas A&M, this entire offense is just built on getting to the free throw line. They shot 34 free throws against Tennessee, and they shoot 30, you know under 40% from the field, and they somehow win by five once again. So, they are driving me nuts. And yeah, the Alabama thing is very, very interesting. Like, I agree with you. Like, I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen. Like, I have no idea, but I know it didn't affect Brandon Miller, but it seemed to have a pretty big effect on everybody else on the team as well, having to deal with this going through the tournament, like you said. So within a year with no sure thing, we say it every single week, but I have no idea what's going to happen come March. So yeah, I'm very, like Mike said, I'm very excited with our futures portfolio that we have right now. Uh, we have a ton of teams at great numbers. And I was going through that futures portfolio and I was like, okay, we basically have every single team in that mid range that I'd want at this point. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be a crazy conference tournament weekend as well. A lot of, te- a lot of, a lot of schools in these smaller conferences that need to win their conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. It's going to be very, very interesting and very, very fun. Yeah. Texas A&M, they've burned me a couple of times over the past two weeks. They've, I mean, look, the SEC is down overall and they've had some pretty good, uh, they've had a good whistle. Like yeah. you said, they, they really rely on getting to the line and then the offensive glass. And they've had really good end game variants. Just like the last minute or two has really broken their way over the past few weeks. But this is there just as a, you know, kind of a foreshadowing that the NCAA tournament, you know, this is a team that's right on Alabama's, you know, their tail for first place in the SEC <clears throat> somehow. Yeah. But if you go back to non-conference schedule, I mean, this is a team that lost to on a neutral court to Murray state, to Colorado, they gave up 88, 103. They lost at home to Wofford. So why? Well, you know, one of the things that Texas A&M does on defense, and if you can look at their three-point attempt rate allowed, I think they're, you know, by top, you know, I should say that they allow, I think, the 10th or 12th most threes in the entire country because they go underneath everything, and they just dare you to shoot threes. That really works in the SEC. The SEC, in aggregate, in conference play, teams are shooting 30 one in total, 31% from three. That's at all the conferences. Think about like the, you got the MIAC, the SWAC. That's dead last out of 32 conferences. So no one can shoot in the SEC. So they're really benefiting from, okay, here. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm probably gonna be on Mississippi State. We'll talk about that later. Mississippi State's another one. They shoot like 25% from three. <laughs> so, you know, they're gonna have to live on the offensive glass, but that's really, Texas A&M gets the benefit from that. But once again, the determinant, if they match up with a team that can shoot, Number one, it's a, it's a bad matchup for them. Number two, it's it's going to be a shock to their system because they're used to just everyone sitting out on the on the, beyond the three point line and just throwing up bricks. But you said you had a, a rant takeaway. I'll throw I'll throw it to you uh, if you want to get them out of the way. If you haven't mentioned anything you wanted to yet, my freaking Iowa Hawkeyes just can't make a three to save their lives. I mean, they're like three for fifty two in their last two games. And I was even going to think about adding in the futures portfolio, but their number hasn't moved at all. They're still hundred to one, so I can't bet them there. So it's just very disappointing because now people are going to buy into Northwestern, who is now one and a half games behind Purdue for the Big Ten uh, title race, which seemed wrapped up uh, two weeks ago. So it, things have now gotten a little lot, a lot more interesting for Purdue, and now they have to beat Indiana on Saturday, or things are going to get a lot tighter for Matt Painter's team. Yep. Uh, was that your was your rant on Iowa Texas? A&M? Yeah, my rant was kind of more Texas A and M uh, more than okay. anything. They're just the free throw variance is just driving me nuts. Mike, you got uh, any key takeaways from the weekend or a rant that you want to get into? Yeah, just from this past week, you know, there's a few teams that either currently have a future ticket on or um, bullish on them. And then they go on the road and they just can't win. You know, Indiana gets smoked by Michigan State. Like, that's disheartening. You have Virginia, who it's like, are they legit a top 10 team? And they couldn't have played any worse up in Chestnut Hill against Boston College. And then another team that I really like, I think, 
particularly all the way up to their coach, Ed Cooley. I like Providence a lot. I look at that spread. It was almost, I think, double digits against UConn. I'm like, this is a nice spot for them to show that they're more than the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Like They can win on the road, and they end up getting crushed in the second half. Um, so in terms of teams that you want to buy in on, you got to win six games on a neutral floor. So at this point, I'm hoping for some momentum. Clearly, we're going to get it during championship week because there's going to be conference champions all over the place in tournament play winning on neutral floors. But in general, at this point in the season, there's just nobody that you can point to that's just a stalwart on the road. And I think that's probably the biggest issue with having any confidence behind these plays. Yeah, Mike's kind of – I don't have a rant. Life is good. I'm, I'm getting ready for March. It's all good vibes, getting some – Negative end game variants out of the way. We're we're on to the weekend in March, but the ACC. I mean, like, I guess you, you had Brady Manick last year. Was he? He shot like forty one percent from three, and now you basically have the same team, but you replaced him with Pete Nance, who uh, he's just playing. He's playing awful right now, and he's shooting twenty eight percent. So basically, that they mean just him that Manick threat from three and the pick and pop. It just did so much for the offense. And so, I mean, I don't think North Carolina, from what I've seen, can catch lightning in a bottle again. They have a ton of talent. Duke has talent. Miami has the guards, but not the defense. And look, Virginia, I I love Bennett. Their defense is not as elite as it's been. And the offense just has a limited ceiling. And they're going to play in – low grinders right they played such a slow tempo and we saw it like they were that that loss to boston college was coming they beat louisville by three uh you know notre dame by two duke in overtime and then boom get blown out by boston college i i mean miami has the guards the coaching the the metrics would suggest the defense there i mean i i don't see anyone in the acc making a deep run um but it'll be an interesting conference tournament which we'll talk about uh, over the next two weeks. And I got to give a shout out to my Kentucky uh, followers and friends listening. So it looks like they're headed in the right direction to get into the dance, which will make Lexington happy. So yeah, we'll see Kentucky Kentucky and Duke are going to be interesting teams because of the amount of talent that they have. If you want to buy them, I can see it. I just don't know if either can win six, six games, but then again, we talk about how wide open it is which is a natural transition into our futures portfolio. The last one. Quick question for you, Stuff. Yeah. I saw yeah, on I Twitter, it. somebody was shouting out Kason Wallace as the best shot blocking guard since Dwayne Wade. Would you agree? Is there any other player that pops to your mind as a guard who can just swat shots left and right? Best shot blocking guard. Um, man, like John Wall comes to mind. Was it John Wall? I think John Wall used to block a ton of shots as a guard. He was really talented at doing it. That I mean, yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm going to ponder. I mean, Kobe Bryant, uh, but th- we're talking – are we talking just college? Yeah, let's just go college because um, the Dwayne Wade immediately took me back to that run. I was a Mizzou fan. I went to Mizzou Didn't he almost have like year. a triple-double with blocks one time? Yeah. I mean, he was just an absolute nightmare because even if you drove past him, he had that, you know, before LeBron, that block from behind just absolutely in his pocket at all times as one of his go-tos. Um, and now it's like a little bit cheating because people that are considered to be quote unquote wings, if some of these kids are like six, nine. So it's like, yeah, of course you have some shot blocking prowess, but in general, if you're a true guard, you know, in that six, two to six, four range, if you're still rejecting shots, it's so valuable. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Thompson for Butler, <laughs> Butler, he comes to mind. Let me see where, where was he? Let me see what Butler's. That's a really good question that I've never even, I mean, probably Kobe was probably the best of all time in the NBA. As far as the shot blocking guard, let's see. This is thrilling podcasting. <laughs> me looking, me looking <laughs> back at old. Here's an article: College basketball's best and shortest shot blockers. Guess who's at the top? Aaron Thompson, three percent block percentage. The the one I had in my back pocket was uh, Thibel from Washington, who's in the league as you know, just a pure three and D guy. Um, he was an absolute monster from the the quote-unquote stocks department. I think he averaged close to four blocks a game for the Huskies. I wasn't even thinking of Aaron Thompson. Yeah, that's a good poll. I'm going to get back to you on this because um, I love yeah. this question. I actually think Bo Hodges for Butler, but he was more of like a, a wing. But anyway... 
As a reminder, before we go any further, college basketball season is in full swing. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana. Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's let's get into our futures portfolio. So we this is the final one. I don't actually have another future. So I think we've added the last couple have been mine. So for this week, you guys are each going to make a case for one team, and then I'm going to decide which one we add. And if both arguments suck. We're just sticking with what we have and moving on. Because I agree. I agree. I, I like what we have so far. So to recap, I don't even have the list in front of me, but hopefully I can remember them all. We have TCU at 40 to 1 is what we went with. Indiana, 50 to 1. We have Marquette at around at 35 to 1. Creighton at 30 to 1. And UConn at 23 to 1. I think those yeah. are yep, that's five. So I like them all. You can find some similar prices. I think we bought in. I think we, we the one we kind of mistimed out of all of them is UConn. But I mean, they're now 20 to one. We have a, we, I think we could, if we waited a little bit, we could have gotten 25, 30 to one at one point, but I really like all the teams that we have and have, I have no regrets. You know what my rant of the week actually is. I said all good vibes and in, in Aruba it's, and this is credit to you guys that I actually put real American dollars on Ohio state to win the national championship. Uh, so this is a rant against myself. I bet real currency, but I uh, insane. And since then they've gone like this. Ooh, nosedive. <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago, they were the number one adjusted offense on Ken Palm. Anyone remember that insane? They, that it's just, they, they have some guys are good on offense that aren't good on defense and it's a mess there in Columbus. And so I'm glad that you guys did not <laughs> allow the Ohio state argument to win out. 
So, Mike, let me kick it to you first. What future do you bring to the table for this week? Let's stay in the Big Ten. Still, somehow, and I know they're the least public team in the Big Ten, Northwestern is available at 200 to 1. All right? So let me make the argument real quick. They're up to 22nd in Ken Palm's adjusted deficiency on defense. They've proven it with wins over Purdue. They beat Indiana twice. They held Auburn to 43 points in a loss. One thing I love in tournament play, they're going to play a little bit slower. They are plus 4.4 in the turnover margin per game. That's 10th nationally. So you get extra opportunities. They're a very good foul shooting team at over 75%. But to me, the elevated play of Boo Booey is the reason why I'm interested at 200 to 1. He's gotten better every single year in Evanston. For the past month, he's really cut down on his turnovers, which is one of the issues with this game. He has seven games in the last month with two or fewer turnovers. He's reeled back on the three-point attempts. He's not a great three-point shooter. And I think he's finally realizing that he should be facilitating offense more than shooting threes. Since January 23rd, he's averaged five dimes per game and 20 points per game. There's only three players in the entire country in major basketball power programs who've done that. Kendrick Davis at Memphis, who's electric, and Jalen Cook at Tulane, and then Boo Booey. So when I look at the combination, how high can they rise if they make a deep run in the Big Ten tournament? Can they get to the five line, the four line? Four line's probably out of the out of the picture. But if they're a five seed, we've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast, that the ones and twos are very vulnerable. I got a great defense. I got a team that's proven their ceiling by beating the number one team in the country and beating an incredible Indiana offense, both at home and in Bloomington. And I have a point guard that I really believe in. So Boo Booey, for me, pushes me over the finish line. I'm going to go with the Wildcats at 200 to one. Well, during that very thorough case, I could feel, without even looking at the camera, I could feel BJ rolling his eyes. Um, So he gets to go second, and it's his last chance, the last opportunity of this season to potentially stay in the Big Ten and add his Iowa Hawkeyes BJ, are I you can't. going Iowa or elsewhere? I'm going to go elsewhere. I can't. I can't yeah. do it. Their defense is so bad, and if you can't make a shot, then it just becomes very, very bad, as you saw against both Wisconsin and Northwestern. No, I am going to go, and I'll be honest. I don't even really like this team, and the but I think the price. Could well, way to it. start out the argument. Yeah, a very strong, a very strong intro. But this team is sitting. I actually 20- hate this team. But here we go. <laughs> this team is sitting at twenty-three to one right now. They're going to be a two seed in the NCAA tournament and they might just win the big 12. How about the Texas Longhorns at 23 to one? They're 12th in adjusted offensive efficiency. They're 30th in adjusted defensive efficiency. But if you look at shot quality, they actually, they actually have them fourth in their adjusted defensive efficiency metric. They're a top five team in defending in transition. They're a top 100 team in defending in the half court. They're top 40 at defending at the rim. And what I love about Texas right now is their offense hasn't really become one-dimensional, which I think sets them up well for a tournament like this. They had a lot of shots coming from the mid-range at the rim. They're very effective at doing both of those. We're shooting 44% on mid-range shots, 62% on shots at the rim. And we're also shooting 35% from the three-point range. I know Chris Beard isn't the coach anymore, but they have been doing just fine without him. And this is a team that's made up of, per Ken Palm's D1 experience metric, they're the seventh most experienced team in the country. So if there was ever a group that could overcome something like losing your head coach in the middle of the season, it's a team like this. And if you look at the odds right now, I mean, Kansas is one of the favorites. Texas is 1.5 in efficiency differential behind Kansas. And they're essentially double the odds right now. And let's not forget, this is a Texas team that got up to number two in the country during the non-conference schedule. They have wins, albeit they are at home over both Gonzaga and Creighton. And if you look through all their losses, they've only lost to one team out of Ken Palm's top 20, and it was Texas Tech on the road. They do have Baylor on the road this weekend. Then they follow that up with TCU on the road. I understand that this is probably not the time to buy them, but the flip side of that argument is those lines are probably going to be pretty short. It's probably going to be, you know, I'm guessing Baylor's going to be a four-point favorite. TCU probably a one- or two-point favorite. If Texas gets through both of those games, which they have proven they can win on the road, if they get through both those games with wins and they win the Big 12, these odds are going to slash down to 15, maybe 14 to 1, and they have a potential to be threatening on the one line. So you could potentially get a team, if all everything bounces their way, that 23 to 1 on the one line. So Texas at 23 to 1 is my last future. All right. It's not, I mean, the, the, I would say from an argument standpoint, uh, just the construction of the argument, Mike, 
you win. And mainly just because the intro was not great for BJ starting off with uh, he hates this team, but Texas does qualify. Look, they're, they're 12th and adjusted offensive efficiency. You add up their offensive and defensive efficiency. It's below 50. It's at 42. I just, I, I need a, a little bit better price with Texas. If I, you know, 30 to one would intrigue me. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want anything under 20 to one. So you're still, you're a little bit over that bare minimum, but I'm going to pass there. Northwestern. I just don't think has, look, you got to give a lot of credit to what Collins has done this year and boo boo. He's amazing. I mean, he basically is their offense. And if he, you know, basically his dribble penetration, which is very difficult to stop, but in the big 10, you have a lot of guards, you know, look at Indiana, Iowa, that can't really stop that. Right. That you have, there's a, a lot of weakness in the perimeter defenses throughout the big 10. So I don't think it's going to be that easy. And if you look at Northwestern and look, that's the reason why the price is what it is, but their adjusted offensive efficiency outside the top 100, hard to see them making a run. So I think you both did a, a good job. Um, it's tough right now. We already have kind of who we liked, but I'm going, and I wanted to get, you know, if someone's looking to add something, I wanted uh, us to have one final case, but I think I'm going to go with, we're sticking with the five that we got. I, I think I just really like the group that we have. Mike, any comments? Am I being too authoritative here? No, I think it's totally matchup dependent for Northwestern. I could see them making a run to the Elite Eight, if absolute to your point, if they don't get matched up with the team that likes to play like top 25 in tempo and has athletic long guards. If they can avoid that on their path, then I think it can happen. Um, but very much in the same vein as like a St. Mary's, like when you're relying that much on your defense, when you want to play those half-court battles, if you find yourself down 10, hypothetically, do I have any faith that they can turn it around? No, not based on the offensive metrics for Northwestern. But like I said, you know, if they make a run to, let's say, the Big Ten championship game during the tournament and get a five seed, you know, they could potentially put it together and get to the Sweet 16. And then at 201, that ticket, you know, it's a license to print money. So that's kind of how I think about it. The fact that they're that high up on, or I should say, far down on the futures board is what drew them to me. Um, and I agree with with BJ in terms of what Texas has been able to do. And now they're not even the worst story in college basketball. So it's like they get to kind of fall back in terms of that narrative. They don't have to handle as much heat. They've already proven it for months now without Beard. And then finally, in the same way that I like how Boo Booey's playing leading into the tournament, Marcus Carr has really gotten it together and has not turned the ball over and not been a liability in that regard really in like the last six weeks. So if if you believe in my argument on Boo Booey, then I think you should also believe in Marcus Carr at this point. Yeah. PJ, are you okay with going with the, the five that we have? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with it. And I think if you're somebody like, obviously for podcast purposes, if you want to bring a future, I, I wanted to bring a future forward. But if you're somebody who potentially wants to buy Texas, it doesn't hurt to take a, a chance and let's see what happens in these two road games against Baylor and TCU. Because if they lose both of them, I still think Texas is, you know, one of the, like like we already mentioned, they're you know below fifty in, in efficiency. So, uh, if you want to take a chance on that, like that, you could potentially get them at thirty to one if they lose both those games because it really won't matter. You know, it might drop them to a three seed, but again, in this type of environment, in this NCAA tournament, it's not going to really going to matter. So, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I like the five that we have, uh, and I think that we've kind of picked out the best teams from that mid range uh, going into the tournament. All right, uh, to close up the future segment, let's let's do something fun here. I'm going to put an extra $100 on each of the five that we have. So I'll try to find the best price. It won't be, obviously, some of them won't be at the pr the prices that we got when we recorded. If whatever the profit is at the end, we'll split it four ways. It'll be between us three and our producer. Nope, just kidding. Sorry, producer. Um, whoever, whoever leaves the best five-star review over the next week and we'll randomly, well, not we won't randomly, I'll look at them and pick who leaves the best. It could be funniest. It could be just a really good review of what you like about the podcast. And yeah, we'll next week, I mean, maybe, you know, the yeah next weekend's episode, which will be, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the weekend and then preview some of the conference tournaments to start that weekend. We'll announce who the winner is and then this will be my uh, a gift for me. Whatever, if we hit of those five, and I hope some of you are already riding with us, then we'll split it four ways between us three and then whoever leaves the best five-star review, Big Bets on Campus, wherever you listen to your podcast. 
All right, let's move on to the weekend. Friday night. Why let football have all the fun? Let's bet Friday night lights. I think lines are just starting to trickle out here. Mike, you got something circled? I'll throw it to you. Yeah, let's start on the West Coast in the WAC. Seattle catching five and a half at Grand Canyon. Um, This one caught my eye just because Grand Canyon had built up and earned reputation of being a really strong home team over the last three or four years. But this year, it's just not the case. They're seven and eight against the closing number as a home team. They play slow. They're lousy defensively. They're 197th in Ken Palm's uh, defensive efficiency. Um, they foul a lot. They put teams on the line, and they're weak on the defensive glass. So I'm not afraid of that home court advantage. The last time that they played Seattle, they got in a rock fight. It was just an awful game. They ended up losing by five up in Seattle, despite the Red Hawks shooting 36% from the field. And they did it by sticking to the script that gets lined for 24 foul shots. But really, to me, is a bounce-back spot for Cam Tyson, one of the best mid-major guards, at least from a volume-shooting perspective. He kind of comes from the old-school Allen Iverson um, you know, school of just get those shots up, and you probably are not going to have back-to-back lousy games. He hasn't had back-to-back single-digit scoring games all season. He's coming off a two-for-19 stinker at home. I think he'll bounce back in this spot. And then from a motivational perspective, both of these teams – are tied for fifth in the whack. So they want to get to that that fourth spot because it's a buy all the way to the quarterfinals. So yeah. motivationally, I think you're going to see the best basketball played by Seattle here. So if it does open north of five points, I'm going to go ahead with Seattle and take the points. Disrespecting the havocs of Grand Canyon. Hopefully they're not uh, listening and coming after you. BJ, what do you got? Well, first I got a, a quick story that leads into my pick. Um, so growing up in Cedar Rapids, there was a a suburb called Hiawatha, and in Hiawatha, a place I went to many times, was a place called Sports Zone. And they had, in, you know, can you indoor... spell? Can you spell that by the way? Is it one? Of the, I want to know if I would pronounce that H-I-A-W-A-T-H-A. right or wrong. I A W A T H A. Wasn't there okay. a Hiawatha a running back from Iowa State in like the mid two thousands? I may be making that up. It was just post Seneca Wallace era. Anyway, beautiful, beautiful city. Went to elementary school there. But anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point is, is there was a place called Sports Zone that had, you know, a bunch of different things like indoor soccer, batting cages, mini golf. And they also had a basketball court that they purchased from a university, an old basketball court. And that college was the University of Jacksonville Dolphins. For whatever reason, in Hiawatha, Iowa, there's an old court. And I I texted my dad because I was like, if this court, if this place does still exists, because it's been a while since I've been there, I want you to go and take a picture of this court. Unfortunately, it's been closed for like the last five years, unknowingly to my knowledge. But so I like the Jacksonville Dolphins at minus one, not because, you know, that history, but I think this is a pretty good spot for them. They've lost six of the last seven games. Uh, three of their past four losses have come by a combined eight points. They're a very slow paced team. They love playing the half court and they've actually been pretty efficient in doing so. They're averaging over one point per possession in a sun play, which is sixth in the conference. They're shooting 58% at the rim. They have the second highest points of possession at the rim. And they're also a high range frequency mid range team. And they're also shooting 46% on those shot attempts. Eastern Kentucky, who they're playing is outside the top 300 in defending all of those areas. And Eastern Kentucky, they love to play in transition. They finish a high level at the rim, which Jacksonville doesn't do a good job defending, but Jacksonville has done a good job on the defensive glass this season, which is an area Eastern Kentucky uh, has been very good at. So, uh, and if you look at Eastern Kentucky, their bottom 15 has them metrics away from home metric. Uh, so I think this is a good spot for Jacksonville, who's had a lot of late game variants go against them the last few games I like them at home. It'll probably be around a pick them. I don't see a line out for it yet, but Ken Palm has it at Jacksonville minus one. So give me the Dolphins. Funny stories. We have... Uh, so our main producer, Matt Mitchell's director of audio does our college football episodes and some of our college basketball, but our other, uh, producer who does this episode, he, David, he has a, in his backyard, like it's an outdoor, uh, patio and it's the old New Mexico state. It's like a huge section of the old New Mexico state gym. Wow. And it, it says it was when they were in the whack and there, he has like the letters you can see whack is like part of the, that's the part of the uh, gym that he has out on his back patio. Hey, producer David here. I uh, just wanted to jump in and clarify real quick. It's actually in my uncle's backyard, but still pretty cool. 
I love that story. I, the, the Jacksonville Dolphins. Yeah, in, in yeah. Hiawatha, Iowa, of all places. Yeah, because it's obviously one of those courts that, you know, you can just like roll in. Like it's not built into the floor, obviously. So yeah. they must have just like purchased it on, you know, for a cheap price when they were, Jacksonville was building the new floor. So, yeah, played many basketball games in that court. All right, I'm going to go with a team that has – there's two teams that have just owned me over the past two weeks. I'm probably going to fade them again this weekend because I'm stubborn. Uh, Texas A&M was one of them. And the other one is Marshall. Marshall, I mean, it's just been some really fortunate end game variants for Marshall. Games are just, you know, they're teams within the number and they extend within the final minute. But I've had this spot circled for a month and a half. They're going to Old Dominion. And Marshall's currently in first place in the conference. And they're playing pretty good basketball right now. They have excellent guards. They are ex- they want to do two things. They want to get out and transition and run. I mean, they want to run, run, run. They want to play up tempo and they run pick and roll at one of the highest rates. Uh, their middle pick and roll is one of the highest rates in the entire country. Well, Old Dominion really limits transition opportunities as well as really any team. They want to just grind the game down, playing at home. I think they'll be able to really control the tempo and they have an excellent pick and roll defense. They played earlier this year and they lost by eight at Marshall, 73 to 65. Here's, but here's the main reason why I think that, you know, number one, it's not the, not the best spot for Marshall. Marshall is coming off a pretty big win over James Madison two days ago. This is all they played on Wednesday and they won 92 to 83. They have, they have to have no legs left. This is a team that's been in some grinders. Like they had to come back in a miracle fashion against Georgia Southern at home. They won 84 to 83. I think they're around like 11 with a minute and a half to go. And they came back to win that game. So this is two days later. Why does that matter so much now? This team has no depth. They're 362nd in bench minutes in the country. They basically go 60. Now you have one day in between games. You were just at James Madison. Now you go to Old Dominion. And I don't think it's a great matchup. I think Old Dominion could slow this game down. I think we should we could be getting like hopefully five here. Five and a half. Maybe it's a sharper line and it's a little lower. Um, but I, I think Old Dominion will control the tempo here. Marshall fatigue has to be coming. This is their uh, – since February 2nd, they've played – they were at App State, at Louisiana, at Coastal, at Georgia State, come home to Georgia Southern and Troy, go to JMU, go to ODU. So this is their sixth road game out of eight – total games in February with zero depth. So I think the legs catch up to him here in a, a pretty favorable schematic matchup for ODU. So give me the Monarchs who are playing some decent basketball of late. Their press offense sucks, which is a bit of a concern. Um, but I think Old Dominion will keep this close right down to the wire. I actually think they pull off the mini upset. All right, that'll do it for Friday. Make sure you check out actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app for more info and content on some of the games on Friday night, but let's get to why most of you are here. And that is our Saturday rundown rapid fire style. We'll, Mike, I will let you do the honors and kick us off. What's the first game you want to mention for Saturday? So UVA traveling to North Carolina, I would play this up to UVA minus three could open as a pick them at uh, Bart Torvik in terms of the projections. Listen, at what point do we just say North Carolina is what they is, you know, are what they are. They're 204th in shooting efficiency. They're 340th in three-point field goal percentage. I mean, they're threatening to get invited to the SEC at this point. They're 0-9 against quad one teams. I contend that Baycott is still, you know, one twisted ankle, you know, one hard fall on his hip away from just mailing in the rest of the season. He's been banged up the whole time. They don't put any pressure on you defensively. We, we know what UVA is. They're a strong defensive team. They're 27th in Ken Palm. I agree with you, Stucky. They're not the elite teams on the defensive end that, you know, Bennett has put together. But they're good enough to stymie this North Carolina team that cannot shoot. And I think it's really just, you know, this line is probably going to open close to a pick just because Virginia has been so, you know, untrustworthy on the road. Let's say that. They're 2-7-1 against the spread when playing away from Charlottesville. But they can still win the ACC regular ti- regular season title. So I think you're going to see them bounce back from a 32% shooting percentage performance against BC. I think there's a little positive regression ahead of them. 
So like I said, if it's at one possession or tighter, I'll go ahead and play the Wahoos here. I've had it with this North Carolina team, you know, for whatever reason, I, I mean, obviously it's tied into them running to the national title last year, but they just don't have it. Brady Maddox not walking through that door. There's no one that's special on the perimeter. And because of that, I don't really care how talented they are. They've not shown up against any good teams this year. So I'll go ahead and play UVA. Yeah, it's just one of those things that everyone has had in their mind all year, like the run last year. Are they going to put it together? They're going to put it together. And like they, the last time that they won multiple games in a row, it was when they beat Louisville, BC, NC State, and Syracuse. Uh, that's – and then Wake Forest and Notre Dame. That's it in the new year. I mean, this is a team that just cannot put it together. They can't shoot. And I just the, – the, the, it's amazing to me that – like I mentioned earlier, losing Manic and going to Nance has been that much has had that much of an impact. But yeah, it's uh, it's ugly down at Chapel Hill, and they're definitely squarely on the bubble. BJ, what do you got? Let's go Gonzaga at home against St. Mary's in a nice revenge spot. Uh, the Zags, I think, uh, I think that game kind of kicked them into high gear because they have been putting up just crazy offensive performances <laughs> since that loss. They put up over 1.2 points per possession in all four games and have basically been on a warpath. I mean, they put up 68 points in the first half against Loyola Marymount on the road. That in, a revenge, was, in a revenge spot there. In a revenge well. spot. Insane. And what's crazy about the previous game against St. Mary's is that St. Mary's did not make a single point from the post-up or from the mid-range. 42 of their 78 points came right at the rim or from free throws and then obviously from three-point range as well. Gonzaga has obviously been terrible at defending the rim, but Gonzaga in that game only grabbed three offensive rebounds. They're the best offensive re rebounding team in the WCC. I understand St. Mary's is a very good defensive rebounding team, but regression should tell you that Gonzaga is going to grab more than three offensive rebounds. And since that win over Gonzaga, St. Mary's has gone through a very, very weird stretch. They raced out to a 16-0 lead against Loyola Marymount, ended up losing to them in overtime. They were up 58-35 to against San Diego, who's one of the worst defensive teams in college basketball. And they were only able to score three points over that final 11-minute stretch, and only ended up winning the game by three, and then they failed to cover against BYU at home last weekend. So... I think this is a great spot here for Gonzaga at home. Ken Palm has a minus two, a great revenge spot for them. I'm sure they'll get steamed up a little bit. So I'm going to play Gonzaga at the opener, and I think they get their revenge against St. Mary's. That was one of the games I had circled. And what you laid out, also that BYU game was a one-point game with under two minutes to go. Right. So there's just something wrong in terms of their overall momentum right now. Logan Johnson couldn't throw it in the ocean the last time they played. And Mahaney, we all love them. But he's playing as freshmen do from time to time. Just once in his last seven games has he shot better than 46% from the floor. So I think what's going to happen is he needs to play his best game. And the kennel is going to be an absolute zoo for this rematch. So I think they're walking right into a buzzsaw in this game. Yeah, and if you remember, he had to go bananas at the end and they got to overtime. But Gonzaga was in control for a majority of that game. So I agree. Had that one circled as well. Uh, let's. I'm going to go chronologically. So I'll start off at noon. BJ to make you happy. I'm going Iowa. Yes. At home against Michigan State. Love it. I love. I love this spot. It's this is a tough spot for Michigan State. Emotional week on campus. Uh, thoughts are with anyone that was impacted by the school shooting there in East Lansing. But you know they. You know so you're dealing with all of that. But they they also got a huge win over Indiana, and now they travel to Iowa City to take on a desperate Hawkeyes team that just dropped two straight on the road. But they're coming back home, and that means Iowa should get back on track. Like most Big Ten teams, this is a theme that just will not end this year. They've thrived at home. They've gone 7-0 league play in 2023. On the season, Big Ten home teams in conference play, 71-41-1 against the spread. That's 63.4%. Most profitable conference by a wide margin. How about short home favorites between 1-3, and three, which is what Iowa should be here? 18-5 and five against the spread, 78.3%. Iowa also, since 2005, the fourth most profitable team in conference play at home. They also have revenge from an earlier season meeting against Michigan State. And if you recall in that game, Patrick McCaffrey didn't play. He's now available. But they still almost won and probably should have won, despite shooting three of 17 from three, yep. six of 13 from the line. And they still had a chance to win it. I think they had a wide open shot at the end, and they ended up covering two and a half. They lost by two. Uh, I think that they can use – Michigan State's been really bad against the press. They're vulnerable mm -hmm. against zone. So you can see Iowa 
break out a higher frequency of their zone and press here. I think this is a great spot to buy Iowa at home, continue the trend of Big Ten home teams cleaning up against the number. Uh, BJ, you agree here, Iowa spot? Oh, yeah. This is a hammer time Iowa spot. I mean, I, I obviously follow a lot of Hawkeye reporters on Twitter, and they just kept – like the – the tweets just kept rolling in. Iowa's three of 48 from behind the arc. They're three of 50 from behind the arc. Like they're going to shoot. They're not that bad of a three point shooting team. Eventually they're going to make some shots. So I agree with you. This is a fantastic spot for them. Yeah. They're due to have a game where they go like 10 of 20 and then they win at home. And everything's fine. At times. City men again. Yep. And then they win. They'll win this game by like 24. Mike, let me throw it back to you. So I've only called my shot on one big money line upset on a Saturday game all year. And that was Hofstra upsetting Charleston in the CAA. I'm going to go for it again here. If I can get it north of three to one, Arkansas money line over Alabama. We don't need to get wow. into all the distractions for Alabama, but I'll lay this out for you. Nick Smith Jr. is back to playing starters minutes. You accurately brought up the fact that it was a little bit strange how they're working him back into the starting lineup. Plays 32 minutes against Florida, 29 minutes against Georgia, scored 26 against Georgia. They're seven and two straight up with Smith in the lineup. But what I care about more so is that their offensive ceiling goes way up. Because what we know, whether he's in the lineup or not, this is a really good defensive team. 12th in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency. They force 14 and a half turnovers per game. Their effective field goal percentage defense is 19th nationally. And the key number, circle it on the board, they are holding opponents to 5.4 made three-pointers per game. That's ninth nationally. What does Alabama want to do? They want to give it to Brandon Miller, get him to the 10. Is he going to play? Is you know? Is he going to be distracted finally? Is he going to have another vintage performance? We don't know. But I do know the rest of the team wants to bomb away from three. I think that plays into Arkansas's hands. So like I said, if it's north of three to one, I'm going to go Ooh, pig suey. Shout out Colin Wilson on the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I think this is the time for Arkansas to get their signature win of 2023. Yeah, and insane and that, and of course this happens to Texas A&M, this happened with, but Nick Smith, they don't play him. They only plays four minutes against uh, Texas A&M. Doesn't play the second half. And Musselman's like, well, we just needed the win. It was an injury. And then he plays 32 minutes the next two games, and they, they win a blowout fashion. It's like, well, what the hell are you doing against Texas A&M? Anyway, uh, yeah, Arkansas definitely becomes exponentially more dangerous with a healthy Smith playing those minutes. BJ, so bold call there by Mike. BJ, what do you got? I'm going to go to the Summit League. Let's go North Dakota State at home against Western Illinois. I think this is a really good spot for the Bison. So Western Illinois is going to be coming off back-to-back road games. They just beat North Dakota here on Thursday morning, 81-70, to while North Dakota State is going to get back-to-back home games. Western Illinois is a very high-volume three-point shooting team, and they move the ball very well to create those good opportunities. They're the number one team in the summit in assisted field goal percentage, and they're fifth in the country in open three-point rate. North Dakota State defensively is second in the conference in shot selection allowed. They're first in rim and three-point rate allowed. They're second in shot making allowed. In the first meeting between Western Illinois, they went berserk from beyond the arc, 10 of 22. When for the season, they're only shooting a little under 32% from beyond the arc. These are two of the highest frequency half-court teams in the country. North Dakota State is very good at defending in the half-court. They're second in points for possession allowed. And it's a North Dakota State team that loves to play inside out. They do a ton of post-up sets. They're a top 10 frequency team in catch-and-shoot three-pointers. Western Illinois is 358th in the country in open three-point allowed, and they're outside the top 200 in defending post-up sets. They're also last in the summit in two-point field goal percentage allowed. In the previous meeting, North Dakota State went one of 17 from beyond the arc against Western Illinois. And Western Illinois is a team that plays a six-man rotation. They're 355th in bench minutes. So the legs have to be a little tired heading up north to play the two North Dakota schools. Ken Palm has it said North Dakota State minus seven. So I like the value on the Bison to get their revenge from losing on the opening week of summit play to Western Illinois. Yeah, important game for seeding. And and Western Illinois, yeah, Trenton Master is amazing. He can always go bananas, but yeah, I, I do. I do agree. I like the the matchup. North you know, Western Illinois wants to run you off the three point line. That's not really going to impact this North Dakota State offense. So I do think that it's a pretty good spot. Uh, I'm going to throw out. I already mentioned Mississippi State against Texas A and M. This has to be the peak of. You know, it's not a great matchup. Yeah, like for a couple of reasons. Because number one, like I mentioned before, Mississippi State cannot shoot, and they will turn the ball over at times, but I do think that they can live on the offensive glass. And this has just from a numbers perspective, I think this is the peak of the market on Texas A&M. 
going up against a Mississippi State team that's playing probably its best basketball of the year. They're only six and four over their past 10 games. But if you look at those losses, I mean, they're all by three or less. You know, it's three at Alabama. It's an overtime on a buzzer beater against Missouri. So they're playing a lot better now. They can't shoot, but I do think that they still have some positive regression coming. If you just look at their unguarded jumper numbers, they're not this bad. So I think that there's some positive regression looming. So I already mentioned that one. I also go with Oklahoma State at home against Kansas State. Kansas State is just uh, – they might have the best home court advantage this year in college basketball. If you look at Haslam metrics, they're 353rd in his away-from-home metric. They dropped five straight away from home. They're now coming off of uh, two massive wins in Manhattan against Iowa State and Baylor. Meanwhile, you have Oklahoma State, which is coming off uh, three straight losses. And from a matchup perspective, Oklahoma State really, really effective at defending cutting action, which is basically Kansas State's entire offense. And they're in the Oklahoma State's 97th percentile in that department, points per possession allowed. Kansas State's also not really efficient in transition. That's where you have to beat Oklahoma State before it gets set in, in the half court where it's absolutely elite. On the other side of the ball, they can Oklahoma State should be able to clean up on the offensive glass here. They'll also have their seven-footer back who didn't play in the first meeting. And their bigger guards can, I think, penetrate here and have advantages on the outside. So I think this is a great buy-low, sell-high spot on the pokes. Mike, you have anything else? Any other bold calls or anything else you want to bring up for Saturday? I have one more break glass in case of emergency play, just because BJ and I agreed on Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Um, one last time, go to the well over Detroit and Wright State. <laughs> Anything below 160, slam the over there. Wright State's gone over in five of the last six. Um, their last game was bananas. Where they lost on a half quarter. Um, Detroit Mercy, obviously, Antoine Davis is going to bomb away from three. They're both going to play fast. They're, I believe, the second and third best over bets in the horizon. So because it's you know it's such a low-volume game in terms of overall tickets, I still don't think that books have adjusted to them enough. So like I said, if it's below 160, go ahead and play the over just to get your Saturday started off in the right way. I believe it's a, a noon tip. Love it. BJ, anything else? I'll go one more. Yeah, I'll go one more. Um, and this doesn't really qualify as a good spot, but I do like Indiana on the road against Purdue. Uh, I know it's a revenge spot for Purdue coming off that, but Indiana did actually a very good job on defensively on Edie in that game. I mean, they, I mean Purdue had 16 points off post-up sets, but those shots were were very, very difficult because if you look at the shot quality on those post-up sets, they're only supposed to score around 10 points. Purdue also turned the ball over 16 times in that game. It's been their biggest problem all season long. They're dead last in the Big Ten in turnover percentage and offense. And what's crazy is that Indiana, they actually underperformed scoring at the rim at that game. They scored 24 points there. Shot quality tells you they should have scored around 30. Indiana is a heavy pick-and-roll team. They utilize a ton of post-up sets, obviously, with Trace Jackson Davis, and they're a high-frequency team finishing at the rim. Purdue really isn't that elite at defending those three areas. They're fifth in the Big Ten in points for possession allowed off pick-and-rolls. They're seventh in points for possession allowed at the rim and fourth in points for possession allowed off of post-up sets. So Ken Palm has us at Purdue minus seven. It may I may look like an idiot. That's fine. I've been looked like an idiot many times, but I still think the matchup is pretty good here for Indiana. So if I can get Indiana at plus seven or better, they're obviously coming off a road loss to Michigan State. So give me the Hoosiers if I can get them at plus seven or better. Love it. Um, and go Hoosiers. Who, who, who? Let's go to the Patriot League. Give me, I'm going to take Navy here. Game should be around a pick at home against Colgate. Colgate's not playing for anything here. They have the one seed locked up. They already won the Patriot League regular season title. Now, if Lehigh wins earlier in the, in the day, Navy, or if they lose, Navy will have the two seed locked up. If Lehigh wins, then Navy will have to win here for the two seed, which could be important. Higher seed host games in the Patriot League. Regardless, uh, you know, maybe if Lehigh loses, then Navy might rest people later in the day because that game's at four. I don't think that's going to happen. I think regardless of what happens in the Lehigh game, Navy wants this game, and I'll explain why. Navy is, they have six seniors in their regular rotation that have played four years here in Annapolis, and they're 0-6 against Colgate, including a loss in last year's conference tournament title game. They got blown out earlier this year, but Navy earlier this year was playing just horrendous basketball. They, I think they they lost five straight to you know at the start of the calendar year 
in Patriot League play. They've gone 10 and 1 since. And just to illustrate how much they've improved, those five losses, they have six losses in, in conference play, including one to, to Colgate. But the other five losses, they lost to Holy Cross, they lost by 11. The latest meeting, they won by 18. Lehigh, they lost by five. The latest meeting, they won by 12. Lafayette, they lost by nine. The latest meeting, they won by 19. Loyola, Maryland, they lost by two. The latest meeting, they won by 12. American, they lost by four. The latest meeting, they won by 16. Those are the five losses, five of the six losses that they had early in the year. The sixth is Colgate. They beat Colgate this weekend. They go 6-0 and straight up and against the spread. The previous five, they all won by double digits. An average turnaround in those games of 21 points. I think Navy really wants this game. Colgate's not really playing for anything. So I think the mids are the play here. They're playing really good basketball. I'll throw out a couple other ones. Boise State, the classic sandwich spot here. Taking on San Jose State after a couple blowout losses. I think you'll get a fully focused Spartans team here. But Boise State, look, they they held on against New Mexico last night. And now the quick turnaround, they go on the road to San Jose State. In Next up, they have San Diego State. And again, that could decide the entire conference. So, you know, it's not a bad matchup for San Jose State. They lost by three at Boise. Boise also has no depth. Bottom 10 in bench minutes. Marcus Shaver got banged up again, bruised and battered all game. And now they're playing their third game in six days late in the season in a classic sandwich spot. I think you can get San Jose State as a valuable home dog here. I also am going to trust New Mexico at home against the Mike, I'm curious to get your thoughts if you have any here. I know you wrote off New Mexico after that blowout loss to Wyoming, but San Diego state, they're running pretty well on the road. Like they've won four or five in the road, but they needed overtime against Colorado state. They won the Fresno by two. Um, they had another win by two points against uh, Utah state. New Mexico beat them early in the year. They need this game. The pit is going to be lit. They've lost five of six. I'm going to think I'm going to try to buy low in New Mexico here. They didn't have Jalen house for two of those losses. I'll throw them out. The other two were pretty unlucky against Nevada. They beat San Diego State earlier in the season. So I do think San Diego State will show up here motivated. But you need quick guards that can get to the rim, that can dribble penetrate to beat that drop coverage of San Diego State. That's what New Mexico has with House and Mashburn. So, uh, you know, it's this is going to be an electric atmosphere. We might get a few calls here. I'm going to buy low on New Mexico. And again, they might need to have to make the tournament. Do you, do you agree or disagree there, Mike? I mean, I think they absolutely have to have it to make the tournament and they got to win some games in the Mountain West Conference tournament. Um, my only concern is that Jalen House, even before the injury, he, he's had just a rough shooting month. I think he shot over 40% once in the entire month. They need him to play an efficient game. They don't necessarily need him to score a ton, but he can't take like 15 shots and make five of them. Like that that just kind of sinks their battleship right from the, the get-go. And also when you bring up that game against Boise, who man, one of the worst melts of the entire gambling season. I think they went one for eight or missed their last Sh- seven Shaver foul missed shots. six the, free throws in the final minute. His name is Marcus Shaver, top, people. His name yeah. is Marcus Shaver. <laughs> Sometimes it's just, it's not even the, the play-by-play. It's the actual aesthetics, the final possession too. They almost cough up the ball in midcourt. And then because of it, the defense collapsed on them and they let up a wide open three with two seconds left. Just absolutely brutal. Um, I, I mean, you're a braver man than me to go back on the Lobos, but I do agree they're playing at home. So if there was a time to circle the wagons, it's at the pit. Yeah. I'm, I'll do a quick little rapid fire here. South Dakota state first team to go undefeated in some of the play last year, Oral Roberts is might be trying. We'll see if they do tonight to be the second at South Dakota state on Saturday. They won by 40 earlier this year against South Dakota state. It won't be that easy. This year, South Dakota State, the past 20 years, most profitable home team against the spread in league play. You might get value here with the Jacks. They'll be fired up. Might be a decent spot to back Georgia. Missouri, not the same team away from home. Georgia can get out in transition in that matchup. They need to do that in order to have any success. USC, the dreaded back end of the mountain trip. They go to Utah after facing Colorado on Thursday. For what it's worth, teams playing their second straight road game in Utah with three or few di- Fewer days of rest, 16 and 29 and three against the spread. That's 35.6% over the past 20 years. I would have to say, if you're, you, if you want to be bold and you want to be brave, how can Kansas after what they've done and Marquette not be at the very top of their value in the market? 
That means you'll have to play West Virginia on the road at Fog, and you'll have to play DePaul on the road at Marquette. But it could be a super flat spot for Marquette after, you know, wins over Xavier Creighton by a combined, what, three points, both in the final seconds. They now basically have won the Big East. They're up by two games with three remaining. And they're like an energy team, right? So a lot of what they do is just so much energy on both ends of the floor. They play so hard. So if they come out a little flat here, DePaul can, you know, DePaul can buy you five to five to six minutes where Marquette's a little lethargic and that could be the difference in a cover or not. DePaul's getting a little healthier. They're still trying, it looks like. So, yeah, I think that Kansas and you got to hold your nose, but Kansas and Marquette are probably at the peak of their market value. Uh, anything else you want to add, boys, before we get out of here? Well, I would say I think we'll all be better off if BJ can just make a dolphin noise to go along with his Jacksonville play because oh I think that'll gosh. be the, the luck that we need to push it over the top. Ah, ah. That was terrible. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's about as good someone, as I can do. Someone was dying. All right. Good stuff, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for filling in for me earlier this week. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks, as always, to Mike, BJ, and, of course, the guys from the three-man we do who take care of the midweek episode. As I said earlier, starting next week, we'll have conference tournament previews starting Monday for the ones that start Monday. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review. Remember, best review over the next week will be able to split our futures portfolio as we head in to the madness march is coming thanks to our sponsor betmgm thanks to our audio and video team on the back end saturday morning 10 30 a.m big bets on campus live mike the host with the guys from three man weave make sure you check that out we'll be back monday thanks for tuning in good luck on all of your wagers we'll catch y'all later cheers Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.